On the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by Blake Murphy on a Tuesday. Producer. Blake Murphy. It's been a while since uh, you and I have sat together in a studio and, and talked. I was going to say, last yeah. week we still did the show. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was remote. It was, it was different, yeah. I haven't seen your beautiful giant head. Wow, the, okay. Well, no, that's I, not even true because I saw you at the game on Tuesday. That's right. That's right. And uh, it, was that the win over Phoenix? No. Oh, okay. That was the... The Tuesday. Kawhi game? Yeah. Kawhi yes. game. And then there was the loss to Memphis. Mm. And then there was the Phoenix game. Yeah, you, weren't, you weren't at the Memphis loss, that's, right? That's one of those I had to do, pull a veteran move and looked at the schedule and saw it was a back-to-back home game during the holidays. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I might just have to, like, see my family and, uh, you know, watch the game on the broadcast. And then I'll go for the next game. And I, I ultimately chose the right one because uh, they, were, they were able to beat Phoenix, whereas they just had a complete no-show against Memphis. Yeah, you're, you're apparently allowed to win games. I didn't, I had forgotten that that was a thing you're allowed to do. But honestly, Blake, because you've been at the arena, obviously, less so this season. Um, but when was the last time you went to the game and the Raptors won? Um, I want to say the, no, not the Cavs game, the Mavs game. That was like early November, wasn't it? Late November. Late November. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't been at, to one for most of December because the schedule with the, the drive time show and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. I could First. technically make it, but like I'm off the air at seven. And then by the time I get down there, like mm-hmm. obviously I've missed pregame media. Right. And like I'm not above using my press pass as a free seat. Yeah, of course. Get some of that free popcorn and, you know, coffee that's uh, half a notch up from this. Just half. I'm not above that. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's funny. I was actually talking to someone earlier and they were like, what's the next game you're at? Will, will I run into you? And I looked at the schedule and I was like, you know what? Like tomorrow would absolutely be the type of day where I would rush after the drive time show mm-hmm. to get there. Cause it's the bucks. If the Raptors were playing well with how they're playing and I have an early flight Thursday, I don't think I'm making that another, game. another vet move. Again, yeah. you got to be experienced in the game to understand some of these these plays that we're talking about. Okay, look, um, the Raptors <laughs> last night, so... Um, no rare, plays. No plays, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, listen, a, a rare road game for them because they're home for uh, a long time here in, in January, and they were home a lot um, just before the break here. Yeah, 9 of 10. Yeah, and and this is the one game. They went to Indiana, and I thought they started the game well. I thought they started the third quarter well, but literally every single time a bench guy came in, the Raptors' level started dropping, and in the fourth quarter, the Raptors fade. Fred VanVleet misses some wide-open threes. The same discourse. Honestly, it's a little bit repetitive and, and frustrating to follow the team this season. But the Raptors lose to the Pacers. Um, yeah, starters score 107 points, and they lost. Um, all right. I mean, <laughs> I'd be surprised, but we actually saw a lot of this last season as well. We did, and it's not... You'd think it would be different on a night where the celebration point heading into the game is they're finally as close to healthy as they're going to get. Nick Nurse said at practice today that Otto Porter's not progressing. He's not getting closer. 
So oh, man. this is the, ba the background on that one is pretty funny, actually. This but, is uh, I'm not gonna go into that. Okay, uh, he just doesn't have a toe anymore. Oh no, no, he has toes. I, I just think, uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the background's kind of funny. Okay. But anyway, uh, yeah, Auto Porter's out. Yeah. Okay. So last night is as healthy as they're gonna get. Yeah. Maybe they add a 10-day at some point. I'm still upset about Justin Champagne getting waved. Right, right. Uh, also had a segment ranting about that that got cut from the pregame last night because mm. Precious Achua was back and, and Damn, Sav. They, they said no to the Champagne segment. Yeah. Huh? Oh, you, wow. we're going we're gonna to nah, prioritize. That's a great move by Dave Leader right We're going <laughs> to prioritize a one-on-one -on -one interview with someone who is actually on the team and back and playing. Not a 90-second blank complaint like, about the 905. How could you not bring back one of the best offensive rebounders at his position? A Blake? savant when it comes to tracking the angle of a rebound. Um, no, so this is, like, it, it was especially frustrating. This is celebrated as this is as healthy as they're going to get. Fred Van Vliet is back. Um, Precious Achua is back. And, and I think it was reasonable to expect Precious Achua to have limited minutes. Oh, of course. But you at least thought that, it was a game where you could lean on your depth a little bit. And it's not a back-to-back. -back. Like, it's okay that you didn't, especially when you need wins right now. But you look at it, and it's like, okay, every starter played 36 to 40 minutes. That includes Fred Van Vliet in his first game back from a nagging injury. And he was questionable game time. And then you look, and it's like, it's not even the 36 to 40 minutes for every starter that stands out. It's that the bench guys played between four and 12 minutes and somehow they all had just like monster negative plus minus. Oh, yeah. Like last night's box score is a fascinating study in how you try to like logic your way through plus minuses mm. because Scotty Barnes plays 40 minutes and has a plus 16. Right. Which, which means, means the eight minutes he wasn't on the floor they were minus 24. How's that even possible in the, eight minutes? Just hold the ball and hold for turnovers. You the, give up less than 24 points. The man. bulk of that, that, you're getting outscored by three points a minute. <laughs> That's, not That's the rate there. Yeah. By the way, Chris Paul yesterday against the Knicks, worst plus minus of his career. Yeah? Yeah. But did he hit a three to make it a plus minus, or minus 42? <laughs> <laughs> um, a great meme. A great but meme. like, Malachi Flynn minus 18 in nine minutes. Mm -hmm. And that was over two stints. That wasn't one bad stint. That was twice they went to him. And I didn't think he deserved the second look. I, I thought I, I, I thought Nick was going to go to Jeff Doughton um, because well, Malachi just couldn't contain TJ McConnell. And that was weirdly like, like Fred couldn't yesterday either, really. Um, TJ McConnell, I have all the time in the world for. Yeah. He should not get seven free throw attempts in a game. I, I'm happy you got representation in the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. What happened to white point guards? It's a little like it just died off with Luke Rittenauer yeah. for a while. We do have uh, a lot of like uh, bad sleeve tattoo white guys right now, though. Who are, who, are, who are we talking about? Well, we got Isaiah Hartenstein. He's the big one. Okay. There was one. Oh, who was the one the other night? Oh, John Conchar. John, John, right. How big could you time. forget about John yeah. Conchar? First team all white guy sleeves. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. All so, right. This is an interesting topic. We can explore this more, but after this the is more of an Alex show subject. Um, anyway, so where I was going with all that is like, uh -huh. it's so frustrating on a night where you're expecting to get depth back and you think it, maybe it'll be the first time that they can run a, a proper rotation. Like you look at the, at the pacer side, 10 guys played 16 minutes or more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the difference is, is that come fourth quarter time, Guess which team looked fresher? Mm -hmm. The team that didn't play anyone more than 32 minutes or the team where everyone was huffing and puffing to their 40th minute? Right, right. And like, yeah, Pascal and Scotty and OG are in unbelievable, unbelievable shape. Um, I think Oren wrote about Pascal's conditioning and yep. like the miles he runs and stuff 
earlier in the week or last week. And like, that's cool. That That's a great feature. But you know what would make that even better? If those guys weren't like <laughs> at empty on the tank when they got there and yeah. like playing, what is the total here? 24. 44 minutes total across the five bench guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have 44 minutes from your bench in a January regular season game. Yeah. I just, I can't even, even acknowledging that Precious wasn't going to play big minutes. You you can't live like that. And we've seen it. And there is a cost to this because it's going to lead to guys being banged up a little bit more, you know, Fred VanVleet, especially it's going to lead to guys not, being in rhythm when they do get called on, it's going to lead to guys not developing, right? And, like, the champagne thing we joke about a little bit, but, like, there's a reason this team doesn't have a great bench, and a big part of it is that for, like, two years now, maybe even longer than that, because, like, let's throw out the Tampa tank season, okay. but, like, the the bubble season and pre-bubble, they were like that again. So it's, like, three of the last four seasons, they really haven't given, they haven't trusted guys down the depth chart with minutes and like that's how fred and pascal and boucher grew Mm. you got to you have to give those opportunities and it might mean a couple extra losses in the interim but like what are you playing for you playing for the win against the pacers in january you playing to build something bigger so it's i i just thought last night was like a bad snapshot and a really poorly timed one of just like what's wrong with the depth on this roster right yeah, well, I mean, first off, how many developmental guys are even on the team right now? I mean, so Precious coming off of injury. Um, but he's in his third year. You know, No, 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 no I get it. But I, I just didn't think they could have played Precious more than 12 minutes last oh, night. Like, yeah, after yeah. the first three minutes, he literally looked like he had just run a marathon, right? And that's completely normal because he hadn't played for basically two months. Yeah. Right? So, Longest injury absence since he started playing basketball, he said. Right, right. And then Malachi is, I would say, developmental. But to be honest, he was he was just detrimental last night. Like, yeah, he, it, was, it, he was really poor. You can't poor. let TJ McConnell drive through you five times in a row for layups. And, like, two of those were and ones as well. Also, like, he single-handedly gave up the 10-point lead just by being on the court with TJ McConnell. Like, and, like, you play on. nine minutes and... Like, if it wasn't for a turnover, he would have had, like, the nine trillion. Oh, word. Just, like, zero okay. points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. That's called the Tony Snow. Yeah. Or the, what's the Sam yeah. Mitchell clip? Oh. Oh, man. Sam Mitchell I can't remember that one. I know day. it as Club <laughs> Trillion from, like, the Mark Titus college yeah. basketball days where it's like, yeah, you get you get one minute and it's all zeros uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, last time out of the game. But, yeah. Uh, oh, shout out to Sam Mitchell, man. The guy, he got literally look at the box score and run zero, 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 zero. Um, no, but seriously, so you, you have Malachi who's kind of developing, but you're giving him this stretch right here. You, you know, Nick even gave him a second stint. In the uh, second half. Which I was surprised by, given what Malachi's leash has been prior, right? Like, usually if he has a bad half, he's done. Yeah. But then the alternative there, you might have played like a Jeff Downton, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I suppose he's developmental as well. I think he's 25, maybe even 26. Mm -hmm. But, you know, new to the team. And then Christian Coloco played 11 minutes. I didn't really think too much of the 11 minutes. I thought he hustled and scrapped. Ultimately, I thought he also lost a matchup to Jalen Smith who had seven offensive rebounds and had 11 and 11, right? So, I mean, I, I think to me, it's just like, who are the prospects of this team is even trying to develop if they want to move in that direction, right? Oh, and this There's is not a lot where, of like, talent on the team, period. That's, right. that's my big takeaway from watching it last night. The Pacers had so many guys who were difference makers, and maybe that's their system. Maybe that's the fact that they have so many guards. And to be honest, it was actually way more enjoyable to watch a team full of guards than a team full of forwards last night. But, <laughs> like, 
they had guys who were able to come off the bench and contribute. Who was even going to match, you know, TJ McConnell's performance last night off the bench or, or Benedict be Malachi or, or Matherin. Yeah. Right. And, and Matherin, like that's the idea of like when things are working for this team and guys are playing better, if Fred's shooting, if Precious is playing well enough to start or whatever, that was the idea with Gary Trent coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. I never really like, I know that Raptors Twitter or whatever has seen it. And, and Nick Nurse made comments about Gary's defense. So maybe it was that about that being like a punishment of sorts. I just think this team, if everything else is clicking him in the Matherin role is like a really good use of him and a good way for him to get his numbers and get his shooting volume. Um, last night, obviously, I mean, he's just been on fire. Bro, back like to back 30-point games. Man. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's been awesome. And, like, that's going to be – you play that well. It doesn't matter if you start or come off the bench. Like, yeah. if, you, if you're that hot, you're that hot. Um, but you see what a capable bench looks like, and that's part of the argument for, like, why Gary could be a bench gunner for a team because that's so valuable. But, yeah, you don't have someone who can match – TJ McConnell, like O'Shea Brissett, who this team lost, and and O'Shea didn't play that great last night. No, like but I sh- thought he was super disruptive. Like yeah, he was and, active and chasing every offensive rebound. Yeah, and he he's, a, a he's very good at also tipping offensive rebounds. And even if that, even if you don't come down with the offensive rebound, what that buys your time team to do is get back in transition defensively. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you're the crasher and you can at least keep that ball alive for a little bit, that like. Indiana generally, I mean, depends on who's on the floor, but they generally are only sending one hard crasher mm-hmm. and then like a deep crasher for like the long three yeah. bounce back because they, the, at least last night, they knew, well, the Raptors are the only team that try to get out in transition more than us. So we got to right. get back on defense and something like O'Shea tipping those balls around or in Smith's case, like, yeah, coming down with some offensive rebounds and then missing your own putback and getting the rebound again, like that still has a defensive benefit. So you have all those guys who serve a very particular role and then the Raptors are like okay well if Boucher doesn't have it that night his leash has got incredibly short lately did he not have it then I I didn't even remember Chris having a bad impact on the game neither did I, All I remember it was him chasing an offensive minutes. rebound and then it like reversed out the Fred for a three like yeah but it obviously Nick saw something he didn't like or whatever in four minutes bro this guy played four minutes and 20 seconds man I know like I, I know and then like what are you turning okay. to you're t- we just went through the other four yep. and then it's like okay well Thad Young is we all love watching Thad Young. Yeah. And we love watching Thad Young when he's, you know, the first sub in with the starters or something like that. Yeah, sure. When he's playing with Malachi Flynn on that night and Precious Achua in his first game back without yeah. the conditioning, like, what it, he's not going to, he's like my age. He's not going to bring up, <laughs> no, that's crazy. he's not going to bring bad lineups to a quality level. He's going to make good lineups better. So, and then, yeah, you can, and here's where the developmental thing gets particularly tough, because if you continue to go down the depth chart, what you get is Wancho, who, right. you know. Not developmental. No, not he, developmental. he's 27. He's been around a little bit, and you can, you can make a case for him. I, I, obviously, it would have been nice if he shot better, but he, like, they trusted enough to dump him in as a starter and, and play a certain role. Um, he wasn't spectacular, but he wasn't terrible. I just think it's probably never a great sign when a guy's minutes are going 28, 24, 9, 11, 5, DNPCD. Mm. And then you look at Ken Birch, who is 30, and his minutes are going 18, 7, 1, 23, DNP, 3, 11, DNP. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. what is the plan here? And then bigger picture, and this was... a. I was fine with the Svi flyer in a vacuum, but... This is a pattern now of if you use those last roster spots on vets who are supposed to stabilize the floor, 
you lose the upside play, right? Yeah, like, Wancho yeah. Hernan Gomez is not going to develop, to develop into a long-term piece on a one-year minimum contract, even if he knocks down his threes. No. If he's good, he walks because he gets more money. If he's bad, he does the Svee thing and gets a partial guarantee from the Knicks and turns it into, I think he's played 14 minutes this year, but he's getting paid. If Ken Birch, like, did you need to give Ken Birch $3 million at, at like, the taxpayer mid-level Probably three, not, yeah, right? Yeah, three years, six per, right? Yeah, yeah, like probably not. And it's it's the cumulative. And look, I'm biased with this stuff because I love watching the 905. The player development side of things is probably the thing about the sport I'm most fascinated by and mm-hmm. interested in. And it's like, that's what really gets me excited. So yeah, I don't like, I like Ken Birch. I think on a good team as a third center, he's really valuable. I wanted the Raptors to get him when he was free as a bio candidate, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. The big difference between free as a bio candidate and three years with real money. Mm-hmm. And then when you kind of add these things on top of each other, where it's Thad and Wancho and Kem, and yeah, Otto Porter would make this team a lot better, but he's also 29 and has some injury. Like each one of these decisions, even two of them, you can get there with, but then you look at the last couple of years and they really haven't found that next developmental success guy. Yeah. Boucher was kind of the last one. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Malachi will still turn into something, but Delano Banton has kind of regressed a little bit. Um, he is all over the place with the 905 the last couple games. Like, yeah, because we, we we see the highlights of like when he's got 37 or he's got 32. 37 with step back threes. And then like yeah. something happened and I wasn't there. They were on the road. I didn't even watch the game live because it was at the same time as the Raptor game. Uh-huh. He went from that 37-point game where he was hitting step backs and stuff, and the shot selection wasn't great, but he was so hot yeah, sure. that it was working. He took two field goal attempts last night. That makes no sense. He had more turnovers than field goal attempts plus assists. Okay. And, like, I got to dig in and ask around. Like, it reminded me of that one time that, like, Kobe went a whole half without shooting because he was just like, I'm getting criticized for shooting the ball too much. Here, Smush Parker. Mm. You you go shoot. Let's see what happens. Um, so I don't know. So anyway, that's another guy who and like Christian Coloco is going to be good. He's going to be. Yeah, he's yeah, not yeah. there yet, I have but no he's with Christian at all. He's going to be a rotation guy. He's but you look at yet. you know Jalen Harris thing didn't work out. David Johnson didn't work out. Dewan Hernandez didn't work out. Um, none of the kind of guys who have made the team out of training camp worked out, and the ones that did, O'Shea and Yuta. Worked out when they went somewhere else. Yeah. Um, after, and I think Champagne is going to be the same kind of thing. So, look, honestly, teams just nobody has a good success rate when it comes to second round picks and undrafted guys and stuff like that. No, but you can't brick all of them. No, and it was a huge part of this team staying competitive and transitioning to the next era was yeah. that when this guy is a free agent and is going to be too expensive, or when we need to use this guy in a trade, who is the next guy up? That was an internal answer, and it's not just a developmental thing. It's a if you find those, like, Fred was underpaid significantly for, like, three years when he was a huge contributor to that team mm-hmm. yeah. because of the way contracts for second-round picks or undrafted free agents work. And, like, Champagne, had he worked out, was on the minimum this year and a non-guaranteed minimum last next year. Like, there is, uh, if you can find those bench guys like that, like, the Pacers are paying nothing for those bench guys. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing, too. To me, it was just like, look— some of it might also be a systems-based thing, right? Because, of course, you have to create an environment, especially for bench mm-hmm. players, to to really thrive. And that's not to say they don't have genuine talent. Like, Benedict Matherin, high lottery pick, is coming off their bench, right? And He's like, so funny. Some of the tough shots he made last yeah. night. I mean, my he goodness, is, man. That mix of, like, being super slick, but also, like, having great burst. Yeah. It's like, it's not... He's got, like, the... 
old head point guard tempo changes, but mm-hmm. then also like shooting guard level yeah. off off a screen. He's no, cool, man. And, and you know, he's just got, he's got that super competitive streak, right? Because last night, you know, he's drawing back and forth with Jamal McGlure, which, you know, to me, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to second guess anybody <laughs> like that. Uh, but also at the same time, I'm like, you know, on another game where an assistant coach kind of lit the fire under uh, opposing, you know, star score like that. I, I mean, I would regret that decision. You know, no, don't poke the bear and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, Dylan Brooks at Scotiabank the other, the other night too, two yeah. threes immediately. And it's funny. I had, I had friends sitting maybe like 10 rows up behind that basket. And mm. I was like, I told my friend's dad, I was like, watch. And he's a big basketball guy. I was like, watch for Dylan Brooks. Like if he gets hot early, you have the best view in the house for like, he will be talking smack to the bench and to the crowd the entire game. If he yeah. gets hot early. Oh yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that. Like, I, I want a guy or two like that on Team Canada, like, come World oh, Cup yeah, time. Yeah. Like, I want Matherin or Brooks who just are like, oh, it's a big moment. Well, I'm not afraid. I, I want no, it, I like and that. I'm going to no, talk smack. And I, I think I, I like the overall makeup of this this Canada team if they can ever get it together because yeah, Shea is really, really It's just really, the really Pacers tough. plus Shea and Dylan. That's fine. <laughs> that's that's fine based on what can we get rick carlotta coach that team no but seriously though the way the way rick had his his bench set up right guys were playing so fast so many guards they're able to play and push in transition mm-hmm. and you know it was interesting to me because it was like one of the ways to play in transition is not always to get to the rim but you can get a lot of open threes that way mm-hmm. a mismatched guys aren't sort of matched up your communication initial, issues yeah your initial instinct on transition is always okay let's touch the paint first make sure we stop the ball which the Raptors don't do a lot of the times. But, you know, make sure you stop the ball in the paint, and then we spread out to the three-point line, and you can get a lot of open threes that way. And, of course, you can capitalize when you have a ton of shooters like the Pacers do. Like, they had, like, six or seven guards in the rotation last night. It's basically a college rotation, four yeah, guards yeah. and a big. Yeah. And the big doesn't even have to be that big. Exactly. Miles Turner was literally just playing a one-man zone in the paint last night, which oh, we'll get to in the second center half. for them sometimes. Yeah, right. But at the same time, they're able to make that work because they're playing at such a high pace and and Rick's okay with sort of like, okay, we missed a couple of threes early on. That's okay. Whereas I thought yesterday there was a stretch there where where the Raptors got quick open threes for Pascal and OG. They missed both of them. And Nick Nurse called timeout and was literally like, yo, guys, slow down, right? And it's not like the Raptors don't play a lot in transition as well. But to me, it's like, I think that transition style of game works so much better with guards than forwards. Mm-hmm. This is my take. Because well, the forwards, need, the you shooting can get to the rim. is huge, right? Yeah, but you can just get like a quick flare screen and someone just pops out and then boom, someone's open for three. Mm-hmm. And it's like five seconds maybe as a lapse on the play, but you got a really wide open look and now you can reserve your defense or energy for defense. And now, yeah, I mean, style of play both uh, last night, it, it was it was very eye-opening. Like it, it, it was... Such good ball movement, driving kick, driving kick, driving kick from the Pacers and also super high pace. Whereas for the Raptors, like they played ball on offense for a stretch there. We're hitting a lot of threes, but then as the game went on, it was just like, oh man, like more of this stuff, like trying to attack a zone, trying to play one-on-one, OG trying to take guys one-on-one, Pascal taking three guys one-on-one. You know, it's just, uh, it's It's nasty to watch sometimes. Yeah, it was after he's been so, so good lately, and I know he had 26-7-7 and seven and was pretty efficient, so yeah. I don't want to say it was a bad game, but, like, Siakam should have eaten in that game. Like, they don't have a guy to sure. defend him, and, like, like Matherin shouldn't be able to hang. And I know he didn't really, but, like... Well, I mean, look, they, they played a lot of zone, yeah. which is not that surprising. And I know you want to talk about that with the Scotty context. He, yeah, there was also the, the Miles Turner one-man zone 
essentially just ignoring Scotty the whole game and and just being at the basket. But that's the old NBA Live 04 defense. When I when I first learned what a two nine was, uh-huh. when you just like, oh, I'm gonna stand under that, step out, stand under that, and then you just wait there and block shots, and you don't control the perimeter guys. The I mean, cheapest way to play video game defense. I mean, that's basically kind of what it was last night. And you know, I, I think that probably deterred Pascal. I think he also tried to make the right passes as well and try to yeah. get to the perimeter. That's and obviously, a- Gary was hot. Yeah. He was still trying to find Fred because everyone trusts Fred, but he wasn't really making it. I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot of the same kind of stories, you know? So I, I do want to just to wrap up the transition play thing. Yeah, okay. So the Raptors are number one in transition effectiveness. Like yes, they're, yeah, be- yeah. they're better than the Pacers on a points per transition play basis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they are they get out in transition slightly more than the Pacers. They're two and three. Sacramento gets out the most, but they are just terrible scoring in transition. It's very okay. funny. Another um, super guard-based team, by the way. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, for a round of Sabonis yeah, yeah. a lot of the time. So what the Raptors do in transition does work. Mm-hmm. And obviously, in contrast to their half-court offense, it's wild. Um, but what the Pacers show you... And what the Kings show you too, and like the Kings aren't the best example because they don't have, like, I know they're still over 500, but I'm still like, I'm still on the fence of if I believe in that or not. Yeah. Um, but guess what? Nobody on the Kings plays 34 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And the Pacers last night didn't play anyone more than 32 minutes. Yeah. Some of that was because their bench was playing well and things were clicking. Of course, sure. Of course. But the game plan for them is not to play that style and play it with five horses you ride for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. It is like part of this strategy I always thought was it's a strategy that a depth team can execute because you can do quick subs and you can mix and match lineups. And if you go 10 deep, you can have, you know, if you have the starters playing 34 minutes and the bench guys playing, I don't know, 14 minutes, five guys playing 14 minutes each or whatever, like everyone's fresher by the end and you can maintain that style longer. And I know that the Raptors have maintained it offensively on transition, Mm -hmm. but I'd have to think that like that level of exhaustion by the end of games and stuff like that. And I know they've been bad defensively in first quarters too. So it's not universally late in the game, but there has to be a fatigue element there where the nights that they can't trust the bench, like I don't care how well conditioned you are. Like if you're up against another premier athlete who is also extremely well conditioned Mm -hmm. And you have carried a much heavier load to that point in the game. Yeah. The edge probably tilts the other guy's way. Yeah. And and by the way, the part that we're not mentioning this, because like obviously like the like Toronto and Indiana, both teams play a lot in transition. The Raptors gear their whole defense towards fueling that transition by forcing a ton of turnovers. I thought one of the main reasons the Pacers won last night was they actually took pretty decent care of the ball. I thought Halliburton um, had a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers or got rushed a couple of times. But for the most part, it wasn't like the Pacers turned the ball over. They actually won the possession battle on that front. Um, When you look at offensive rebounds plus turnovers, which is the big key for the Raptors, they got to usually win that by a combined margin of like eight to nine. Yeah, and it's 27-23 Indiana. Exactly, right? And so, um, you know, but the Raptors gear the whole defense towards fueling those turnovers so that they can get out and run. So, of course, their turnover numbers should look great and their efficiency in turnovers should look amazing because that's really the only way that they can score. But it also exhausts you defensively to create mm-hmm. that turnover in the first place. Whereas the, the Pacers, the, the, there's not that much on-ball pressure. They kind of just, like, keep guys in front, hope you miss. You know, you're, you're probably going to have a lot of guys shooting over top of their shorter guys, but you're not going to make a lot of shots. They're going to rebound the ball and then they're going to go. Right. And mm-hmm. to me, it's just like, you know, it's the trade off. I don't know. 
obviously that is the strength of the Raptors team, but it was actually a little bit jarring to see another team play that game even better than the Raptors. That's yeah, all I'm trying to say. And differently for sure. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. like it it really the Pacers do feel a lot like early on in this Raptors core when they were free, like basically they they have a whole team that plays like the bench mob, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Of like yeah, we're yeah. gonna push the pace and it's gonna be ugly offensively sometimes, but also it's going to be fine and mm-hmm. like it's going to wear the other team out and it's going to bait them. And it wasn't even just the bench mob year, like the, the run it back year, that second unit had that big chaos identity, right? Where yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. Kyle and any four guys, and we're just going to play full court press for a quarter and, mm. and muck you up. And yeah, I think the Pacers do a good job of that. And um, I don't know. And then the other thing too, is like I, Nick nurse mentioned this last week and I dug in on the numbers and we didn't get a chance to talk about it last Wednesday. Okay. But he said that he thinks why the defense has been shaky is because shots aren't dropping. And that makes some sense because an opponent is going to score better in transition than they're going to score on the half court. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It's the same reason the Raptors want to get and run in transition because your expected output is way higher. But this team is not built as our offense fuels our defense. The whole idea is the defense fuels the offense. Yes. So if you are missing shots and you're then saying that's why your defense is shaky and then that is also an explanation for why your offense is bad because you're pulling the ball out of your basket and not getting on transition. Like uh, it would just spiral. There, there has to be a starting point to it. And I thought the starting point was supposed to be defensive. I also dug in on the numbers and like, there's nothing that like, like the Raptors are also pretty bad on defense af- by their standards after they score. Oh, we saw that plenty of times last night. The Raptors yeah. would score and the Pacers would still get in transition. Yeah. There's just, there's not a lot to that, that the Raptors, uh, you know, are, like, it's not that they're getting the doors beaten in on transition. They're a completely average transition defense in terms of volume and opponent points per right. possession. It's a half-court problem. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I've been your host, Willu. That's Blake Murphy. You're listening to The Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. When we come back, we'll discuss Scotty Barnes' transition to being center. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptors show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, William Liu. I continue to be joined by Blake Murphy. Okay, our two favorite topics of the season, Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet. Um, Scotty, I would say on the upswing, um, very strange, not very strange, but very aggressive defensive scheme last night from the, the Pacers where uh, Scotty has been playing center of late, and so he was getting guarded by Miles Turner. But I say guarded only in the sense that that is his matchup because <laughs> Miles Turner, there were plays, and I clipped this and I put it on Twitter, especially at the start of the game, but even at the end of the game as well, where Scotty would handle the ball at the three-point line and Miles Turner would be so deep in the paint, he should have been called for three-second uh, three violations, except for the fact that the, no one's even looking at the paint because obviously the ball's at the top, whatever. They call also, the like, there's a weird thing where he could be like, no, I'm guarding my man. 
I'm just disrespecting him. Yo, it's exactly. It like, almost you're felt allowed like disrespect. You're allowed to be in the key if you're yeah. guarding your guy. Look, I'm not saying that everyone's got to be <laughs> hugging up on Scotty in the perimeter like he's going to shoot. But, you, I mean, it, honestly, the last time I saw a Raptor guarded this way was Rondé. Mm-hmm. Right, and they used to do this to to Rondé. Now, of course, Scotty's obviously a much more accomplished player. And you know what? I, I thought that he found ways to sort of beat it. First half was able to uh, screen for the ball, and essentially, if your guy's not going to guard you, you set a good screen. Now you've transferred that advantage in that space to a next player. Exactly, he was able to score. Especially he was he was really running into a lot of those dribble handoffs on yes. the perimeter, where it, it's like. Like and you have to make those decisions so quick, right? Yeah, yeah. Because like it, you can give that, you can neutralize that advantage for the defense by taking too long to decide. Mm-hmm. So there's like there's the old Marcusall, and Marcusall was unbelievable for everything except this of like get the ball at the top, no one's guarding you, and you like go through your quarterback progression. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. no, you gotta to keep that advantage, you gotta snap right into it. And I thought there were a couple times where like. After he saw it, like, twice maybe, yeah. up between, like, after the first two plays maybe and then until that first Indiana timeout when the Raptors had hit, like, five threes, um, every single time he was, like, very, very decisive and knew what he wanted to do with it. It was like, this is how they're guarding me. Yep. And in his head, maybe it's like, hey, I can adjust to this, but, like, I need to timeout the processes. So right now, I'm just going to bang right into an action for Pascal or Fred or whoever. And they were just eating threes off of, even if it wasn't Scotty as the passer, that treatment and him mm-hmm. turning it into advantages, like you said, for someone else. Yeah, I mean, and, and the 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 team connection that that Scotty's able to provide in terms of the eight assists, and also, I mean, this is going to be, I don't know, people don't like screen assists anymore, but to me, it's still like, look, you, triple you, double screen assists. If you set, if you set a good screen and your guy gets open. There is some, like, connective value from that. I'm sorry. Rudy Gobert really ruined a lot of things, but especially <laughs> screen assists, okay? Nah, that, that wasn't even Rudy Gobert. That was Jazz Twitter. Okay. The, like, Fair. three people that tweet about the Jazz. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is that Scotty had 23, 8, 8, and 7. The 7 being screen assists, <laughs> right? And then in the second half. <laughs> Could you imagine how insufferable Raptors Twitter will be the first time Scotty Barnes gets a quadruple double with screen assists? This guy got a full house, that line. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then in the second half, Scotty pivoted to much more of a scoring role, a little bit late uh, where he was able to sort of attack Turner, but he was able to score on Turner three times down the stretch there, and he had 17 of his 23 points in the second half, less assists on that front. Um, what did you make of this strategy? Are we going to see this moving forward? Um, and if so, how do you want to see the Raptors approach it? Yeah, I, I liked everything I saw from Scotty. I thought, honestly, I thought Indiana was going to do something different quicker than they did. Um, I'm in favor of... If you find a thing that works, like even if the Scotty DHOs weren't the optimal thing, like let's say you knew if Scotty dribbles into like high floater range or that even that elbow jumper that we know he can step into shooting 42% from that like four to 14 foot range this year. That's not bad. It's not, you know, it's not elite, but it's it's pretty good for a, for a forward. Um, So even if you want him navigating that space more, I'm in favor of, especially with a young player, a defense is guarding you a certain way. You find something that works and you do that until it stops working or the defense adjusts. So I like the, hey, this is what I am right now. And then as the defense shifted and as the guys kind of cooled off around him, mm-hmm. turning then into, okay, well, this has to be something different now. Like recognizing the situation, recognizing the change in your team's offensive environment and the defense. I think that's a, a good sign of growth. Like, you know, he's still really young. So to be figuring that stuff out, and I'm sure he has help from Fred and Pascal and Nick and stuff like that, but to be figuring that stuff out on the fly during the course of a game against a defender who is as good as Miles Turner, mm-hmm. um, 
maybe not his best example of that last night, but like he's a pretty good defender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, there's a reason Raptors fans have been thirsty for him for years. Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was really encouraging, and I've actually, you know, since that weird, since that weirdness where Scotty walked off the floor in the middle of the possession the other day, mm. like he's really. I know it's only been two games, maybe three. He's been really good. Yeah, he's uh, he's. He's looked a lot more like the Scotty Barnes I expected to see this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I wanted to ask you, actually. I know it's your show and you're the host. But, like, yeah, go ahead. how much of that do you think is his role definition shifting a little bit to being a center? Not just for what he's being asked to do, but who he's doing it against. Yeah. No, I think um, a lot of it to me is, is this role going back to center, which he actually played last season for extended stretches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I think it's not just like, oh, he's playing center in the sense that like he's just getting the ball down low and he's just setting screens and it's not touching the ball. Like, he's a center who's going to have the ball a ton, almost in a Draymond-esque way, almost in like when Ben Simmons used to play the five sometimes for for uh, the Sixers, especially when Joala was out. You know, and it's not to say that like, okay, these are the most flattering offensive comps, but also at the same time, I think the Raptors are being really practical about it. When they were asking him to be a perimeter creator, he either didn't necessarily show the consistent aggressiveness that you wanted to see from that spot or even just like, you know, essentially the bag to get past guys or to use screens and the craft and all that other stuff or the ability to shoot on a consistent basis. And so they're putting him in a position to succeed by more closely defining this role. I think for me, I like the defensive element of it because what they're able to do now is with Scotty on a center and OG on um, the opposing star wing, you're able to then switch a lot of your pick and rolls, right? So we've seen that with, um, you know, Scotty on Joel Embiid and then OG on James Harden. That's the central pick and roll action for the Sixers. You can switch that. You can neutralize the advantage, right? We saw that against the Suns where Scotty this time was guarding the ball and Chris Paul and OG was a lot of the times on Aiden. You can switch that. Neutralize DeAndre the Aiden roll. played in that game? Um, but yeah, well, you you wouldn't have known, but uh, he he did apparently play in that game on a max contract. And then this game, uh, where, where the Raptors started the matchups and they switched that at halftime, but they had OG on Halliburton and they had Scotty on Turner. And the idea was again to be able to neutralize the central pick and roll action by switching what should be normally a, a pick and roll that's hard to sort of cover. And, and, and Halliburton so I, I was like that idea at least. Halliburton was solid, but by his standards, 16 with eight dimes is a that's a light night and, for him. And that, seven turnovers. That guy yeah. leads the league in assists. Yeah. Yeah. No, and and you know, I, I think that's where when Nick was trying to um give Fred some some credit in the postgame, um, you know, he talked about how shifting Fred into that Halliburton assignment, Fred was able to be disruptive mm-hmm. for a stretch. I thought in the fourth quarter, obviously, a lot of possessions where Fred was actually the one getting blown past and, mm-hmm. and, and the Raptors' breakdown started with Fred. So I don't know if I totally agree with Nick on that front. But, you know, it, there was a good job on Halliburton. But overall, I, I think there is a versatility to this. And it reminds me a lot of last season. It's putting him in a position to be successful the way he was last season. Mm-hmm. And last season, he won Rookie of the Year, right? And, mm-hmm. and for me, I'm just looking for more consistency. But, you know, since the Raptors put him at center... Um, they are three and four, which is not a great record, but they've competed in most of those games. Some of those games, they just couldn't close out. Like the Sixers game, for example, they should have closed that out. They should have won that. Um, and then I, I think if you look at just the last five games, because I think when he first played center, he really struggled with it. He had like eight points in combined against New York and against Philly. But in the last five games here, he's averaging 18. He's averaging nine rebounds, 5.4 assists, two steals, a block, shooting 49% from the field. I think if he did that all season, people would be pretty thrilled with that kind of production and there wouldn't be as many conversations about Scotty, which there have been this season. So 
I think it's just practical. Playing him center right now just plays up his strengths and it limits his weaknesses. And that's just, to me, not just good coaching, but like what you should be doing Especially, with every player. you know, if we're to believe some of the reporting that's out there and some of the rumblings that were out there when Scotty was at his lower points, like yeah. he may be, you know, and I, I think you talked to Coach David Thorpe about this. And, yep. and I know J.D. Bunkus has as well that, you know, it, it at least looks like there wasn't the level of work on those weaknesses that you'd maybe expect. So, well, I mean, like last night, for example, right? When Turner leaves you that open for three, we talked about the way he's able to screen and also then eventually drive against that space, which are two ways to attack it. The more simple way to attack it is just you shoot the three mm-hmm. or you shoot the wide open jumpers. But he wasn't really showing that aptitude for it because of the fact that, you know, that that offseason work, regardless of how much it was, because none of us were in that room with mm-hmm. him, including David Thorpe. But at the same time, the results are just kind of what it is, right? Yeah. And, and you know, if you look at his, at his offensive package, like what has changed this year to drop his efficiency stats? And it's like, well, he's shooting a bit more threes at the same clip. Yeah, yeah. And he's not good enough at, at those yet. You, you, I mean, he needs to take them for developmental reasons mm-hmm. um, and, you know, for a show me thing. So guys will close out on him and stuff. Um but the one area that it hasn't really changed is he's shooting at the rim the same amount and shooting almost as effectively still at the rim. So when he's in those areas, he's still Scotty Barnes. Now, yep. he could probably nudge that. Like, he shot over 70% at the rim last year. He's at 68.6 right now. He could get that up to 70 if we see a little bit more of the offensive glass crashing, Scotty. Which we have seen a lot more since yes, playing Yes, and I think yeah. that is a natural thing, right? Like, yeah. if... if I think when the Raptors drop their roles and there aren't huge differences between positions, but the one thing you're doing, if you're tagged as the five is you're one of the crashers. Mm -hmm. They usually crash one guy from the corner and then whoever's in the middle of the floor gets to crash as well. And and like part of that is it's exhausting because you got to get back. Um, But yeah, I think that empowers him to do that a little bit more. And I think that that's always uh, when there's some friction with like, you know, should this guy have more touches or something like that? a good way to, you know, get him two easy points or four easy points is, you know, yeah, you have the freedom to, look, we're going to trust you to make your own decisions on whether you crash in the offensive glass. And if you get it, awesome, it's your possession. If you don't get it, you just better get back. Mm -hmm. And I think that him in the center role allows for that a little bit more. And then I think defensively, just to close out that side of it, like if you look at what, when you just like watch Scotty play defense, where are his strengths and weaknesses right now? And whether it's because of the knee and ankle stuff, or not laterally he hasn't been that impressed like he's not og or precious or siakam in terms of like lateral movements i don't think yeah but i, I mean at the same time I, i've actually enjoyed watching him guard on ball some of these possessions against james harden I'm against saying, chris paul i'm not saying he's bad when he's yeah. locked in but i i'm okay. if we're talking like you have one possession to optimize this defense i i would put him behind og and pascal i'm probably precious in terms of like sure. can you keep a smaller guy a smaller quicker guy in front of you but where he's really good is he doesn't really give up position even though he's not you know he's not og sized yet no, but he's super strong yeah so. like he's got the like dwight howard shoulder width and stuff and he's really good at keeping his ground and i think he's just like he's super smart and like we know that because of the offensive passing and stuff but i think it just materializes on defense more around the rim when your role is more reactionary mm. i think you get to see a little bit more of how he reads the game and feels the game and anticipates yeah no and and look i, I just i like it like I, I like him in this role and i know it's not like you know a position where it seems as flashy just because of the fact that like most 
of our projections for him this season was like he's going to take a step forward in terms of the ball handling, in terms of the shooting, in terms of the perimeter creation, and look more like your traditional kind of like star wing. But at the same time, it's also about being practical. When the team is really losing like this, it's about finding everyone in their positions where they can be successful and what they can contribute. And I think Scotty's contributing quite a bit. I have no real complaints about what he's done in the last two weeks Also, since like being shifted to center. In terms of playmaking or, or initiating stuff like that, like over these five games, he's averaging 5.4 assists and has two eight-assist nights. Like, the, yeah. it's going to be there. And don't forget the screen assists, too. Yeah. Come on, man. The and screen like, assists are up. I know that. Twice in these five games, he's been, like, very close to a triple-double, which I'm sure a guy like him who hits the glass hard and likes to pass, yeah, he's yeah. like, he's oh, yeah, triple-double watch. Like, I'd imagine that's something he finds fun and, and of you know, it helps him engage and stuff like that. Um, so Plus, yeah, when he I, rebounds, he's able to push. And yeah. he's able to do that a couple of times, which I thought last night... The, the fast break with Scotty was was probably the he probably led the fast break better than yeah. most of the other guys. And look, plus minus is not going to be a telling stat every night. Like you can look through the box score and kind of cobble together what the game story might have been from that. But he has been a monster positive in the Cleveland, Phoenix, and Indiana games, and less of a negative than everyone else in the Clippers and Grizzlies games. Like he yeah. is, this is not just, he looks better, but it's helping the team play better when he's on the court. And last night, again, like plus 16 and 40 minutes with him on the court, uh, you got rolled by 24 points at eight minutes without him. He is not like, like that's Jokic level. Like this team cannot perform at all. Oh, like you may as well forfeit the minutes he's on the bench. Um, but even if you can even do that in small glimpses, um, and, and like, hey, it's a night where the other starters around you maybe aren't clicking and, and the bench doesn't have it. But when you are on the floor, you are the one helping stabilize things that you don't need to turn to a Thad Young to stabilize or whatever. I think that's that's an encouraging like statistical trend that we've seen over these five games, too. Yeah, fair. Um, the other favorite topic of the season. Yeah. What's wrong with Fred Van Vliet? OK, we have five minutes for this. Um yeah, so Fred missed some wide-open threes in the fourth quarter. Um, he was also thought he was playing decent on defense, and then maybe he took a bump or something because I felt like physically he kind of slowed down a little bit there. Um, but either way, defensively, the Pacers are getting past him, scoring. Teach McConnell got him as well on one of those rushes to the basket. Um, you know, Halliburton got by him a few times as well, and that created open threes and layups. And, yeah, most importantly, though, the threes just aren't dropping. I mean, you agree with me on this, right? Like, Fred is not hogging the ball or even just having the ball that much now. Scotty, not, not only is he playing center for you defensively, but he's actually playing a lot of point for you offensively mm-hmm. in terms of running the show, especially last night, a lot of the dribble handoffs. A lot of that is initiated out top by Scotty. Obviously, Pascal's going to have his touches. OG and, Scott, uh, and, and Gary are going to finish around the perimeter. But Fred is not really playing point so much anymore. And most of his role is just catching and shooting. And that's what makes it even more painful that he's not catching and shooting and finding success this season, Fred VanVleet is shooting 33% on wide open catch and shoot threes this year, and 32% on catch and shoot threes overall this year. Last year, when he made All Star, he was 43% on catch and shoots and 41% on wide open threes. And when you break it down, because obviously Fred had two parts last season, before the first report of his injury on January 11th, Fred was shooting 50% on catch and shoot threes, okay, mm-hmm. which is down to 32 now, and 45% on wide open threes, which is down to 34 now. So what what's going on, man? I don't have a good explanation for this extended a three-point shooting slump. 
I think he's a good three-point shooter, and it'll eventually come around. I don't know if that back thing, like he's missed time with the back a couple times now. Yep. I don't know if that's worse than he's letting on, and he's trying to play through it. I don't know if he ever fixed that mechanical thing that, you know, when they were talking about the Noah machines or whatever. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the the ball hog thing or shooting too much thing is, it's always been bizarre to me, but, like, he's fourth on the team in usage rate and second in assist rate. Like, he has the ball a lot because he's the point guard. Yeah, but now he's not even the point guard. No. And, like, a lot of the time, he, but he still, like, gets a lot of assists. It's not, and he doesn't turn the ball over much. Mm. Like, he has a single-digit turnover rate, which for a lead or secondary ball handler is really good. Yeah. Um, like, nobody on the team turns it over less other than Gary, and we know why that is. Can't turn it over on a shot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I, I don't think there's a hog element to it. And, and actually, him... And OG and Scotty, in terms of usage rate, have started to merge together. Like, mm -hmm. there's not, there's no longer the Pascal, Gary, Fred, and everyone else. It's now Pascal, Gary, everyone else. Yeah. In terms of like the usage distribution over the last little bit. And then again, Fred is their primary, we'll say primary point guard just because he's the only person on the team under like six foot nine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he's still getting a lot of assists when. They have – this is the other thing that's tough with him is, like, Fred is by nature a pick-and-roll guy, and he's, like, never really had a pick-and-roll partner. And I think some of the stuff that they've been trying with Scotty, and this is a benefit of Scotty at center as well, and it hasn't materialized yet for Fred, but Scotty developing into a good screener, and it looks like he's figuring out pretty quick, especially in the stuff with Pascal and even mm -hmm. a little bit with Malachi. And Gary. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that could be big for, for a guy like Fred who needs the help of getting that little bit of separation because he's not going to burst by a guy. He needs a little bit of an edge. And that's why he shoots so many threes because he's good at it. And also, like, those are the th shots that he can create. Like, you yeah, don't want yeah. him going into Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Like, you would rather him shoot, like, get Darius Garland off balance and shoot. Yeah. Well, and listen, man, I, I think the results, though, are you just need it more, right? Especially because yeah. now if he's not the point so much as he's the finisher, you need to see the efficiency rise because as with any player who's just finishing, you need to see that converted more. He's had 17 games this season with five or fewer field goal uh, attempts made. That's 17 games of five or fewer baskets. The Raptors are five and, oh, they're four and, and 13 in those games. And you just need to see more of these productions. Like it, it's just three of 15. That's already happened once this season. You know what I mean? And so you just need to see more of it on that front. And, um, yeah, it's that's. I think that's probably the, the more. When you go back bigger picture, this is the more frustrating part of the Raptors season. Is that like these are the recurring themes that we sort of talk about game after game after game. And at least with Scotty, there seems to be some solution and progression out of it. Mm -hmm. But for for Fred, it doesn't really seem to be so much of late. But uh, that does it for us. We're out of time. I'm your host Will Lugan. You're listening to the Raptors Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder: We're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to Blake Murphy. Thanks to our board producer Derek Brandale, Jennifer Rolna for helping us with YouTube stream. Happy New Year, everyone, and uh, we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.